This morning, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 28, the final chapter, and these will be the final verses of my preaching to you on the book of Acts, except at some point I'll go back and preach a few sermons from Acts 15, which I skipped over coming down through some years ago. But this will be the last sermon from the last chapter. And I want to talk to you this morning about uh, Paul's meeting together with the Jews at Rome. I find it very interesting here that this is how the book of Acts ended. The book of Acts follows the Apostle Paul uh, all the way through his life from before his conversion until he came to Rome, and then it stops there. And some people have suggested that perhaps uh, Paul did not die shortly after this, but that he actually was released and was enabled to minister for a few more years uh, after these incidents that are recorded here for us about his being in Rome and talking to these Jews, but I do not know whether that is true or not. But it is certain that uh, Paul didn't live too many more years after this, and uh, I'll speak about that uh, as well toward the end of the message. But I want to speak to you about the Jews at Rome and Paul's interaction with them, and so let's bow together for prayer before I begin with you. Father, thank you for this time around your word. Uh, thank you for the ministry of the Apostle Paul, who has blessed us by showing us the pattern for our own living our own Christian life in terms of our witness to people around us, that we always ought to be ready to give an account of ourselves for the hope that is within us, and yet with gentleness and reverence. And Paul did this at many, many points, even with these Jews who he had to reprove uh, rather severely in this passage. And so we ask that you will come now and may your word be blessed to strengthen the hearts of your people and increase all of our understanding uh, about uh, the Jewish people and uh, the need to evangelize them even and pray for them and for their conversion. We ask that you will bless us now in this study. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. Acts chapter 28, and I think that I will begin reading here in verse 16, just to set the context. Now, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you, to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel 
I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So last Sunday I spoke to you about the fact that the Apostle Paul was bound with a chain for the hope of Israel. Paul's ministry, whether it was to Jews or Gentiles, was concerning Jesus, who was and who is the hope of Israel. He is both the hope of the spiritual Israel of God and the hope of the physical, ethnic Israel who has never been cast off by God, even though in large measure they rejected Christ as their Messiah when he came to them. And they have still, for the most part, the Jews that is, continued to reject Jesus all the way down through church history until this very day. So in this chapter, Paul spoke with the Jews of Rome when they came to meet with him. He spoke to them from morning till evening, it says in verse 23. And Paul's great concern was to preach the kingdom of God and teach the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and to do so with all confidence, it says toward the end of this chapter. This goal was accomplished with these Jews, even though they were so divided among themselves as to whether what Paul said was true. So in this message, I want to delve into Paul's final written, recorded message to them and have us understand just how Paul ministered to people in this last stage of his ministry. First of all, Paul tried very hard 
to persuade these Jews concerning the kingdom of God and concerning the Jews being their promised Messiah. Verses 22 to 24, verse 22 says, But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, he means Christians, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him in his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken and some disbelieved. So it's very important for us uh, and it's very important to the forward progress of the gospel and the kingdom of God that every Christian understand the overview of God's dealing with the Jewish people and nation during this church age from the beginning of it. Some of these men who were listening to Paul thought that Christianity was a sect and not a fulfillment of what Moses and the prophets had written. From the beginning, from the days of the apostles, there was not agreement among the Jews concerning whether the Lord Jesus Christ was their promised Messiah. This was what the apostles spoke to them about, solemnly testifying of the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning till evening, it says here. He had no doubt uh, that uh, Moses mentioned the Lord Jesus. And so he, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that he that day spoke to them directly from Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, verses 15 to 19. And I want to read this to you from the Bible just to show it to you. Uh, just so how very plain it is here and how the Jews should have been able to see it. It says here in uh, chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, starting in verse 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Very solemn words indeed. God says here that he would require it of them, the Jewish people, that they would hear the words of his Christ. And if they did not, they would be judged for it. It would be required of them. And so we see here that there was, in the proclamation of the truth of God's word, a presentation of prophetic truth concerning Christ in the Old Testament 
scriptures. And then it came to historic fulfillment, which took place in the birth, the life, and the ministry of our Lord Jesus. And then, as God had said, there would come a requiring of them, a judgment would come, which he himself would make, that God would make, based upon whether his words concerning his Christ were heeded by his ancient people, the Jews. That is, that they were listened to and acted upon in terms of their believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and specifically for salvation. Little did they know of what was going to come to the whole Jewish nation in 70 AD when God would utterly destroy the city of Jerusalem and over 1.1 million people would die when Jerusalem was destroyed. This uh, conversation which Paul had with these men was typical of the response of the Jews as a whole, as a people and a nation. Some of them were persuaded and some disbelieved. Part of the problem in these men's minds was the lack of outward impressiveness in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul probably spoke with the Jews concerning the atoning death of the Lord Jesus, which was clearly prophesied of in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 to 3. And I want to read this to you from the Bible directly as well. It says, Who has believed our report? As if there were not that many. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, referring to our Lord Jesus Christ, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness that is beauty, that when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. So Paul no doubt reminded them of how the Lord Jesus was rejected by the Jewish leaders, but that God's purpose was to use Christ's death to make the Lord Jesus an offering for sin. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So when Paul showed them these verses as he could have also very easily done preaching to them the Lord Jesus from them. He could have also preached from these very words the resurrection from the dead of the Lord Jesus as well. If he spoke to them from morning till evening, that was a good long time. He no doubt had time to speak to them about the fact that the Lord Jesus was no mere man but God's 
son, his only begotten son. He could have shared with them Psalm 2 about the father saying to the son there in verse 7, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the end of the ends of the earth for your possession. He could have made an appeal to them of verses 11 and 12 of that same Psalm 2 if they would be wise, if they would be instructed, if they would serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling at the greatness of all that had been accomplished by Christ in the great redemption that he purchased for sinners and specifically Israel first among all the nations, anyone who would receive him, that they should kiss the Son, lest he be angry and they perish in the way. When his wrath was kindled but a little, he could have shown them from verses 1 to 3 of Psalm 2, that the leaders in Jerusalem were very wrong in plotting to put the Lord Jesus to death. This was probably very troubling to these Jews that Paul was speaking to them about these things that I've just mentioned. They probably had a hard time believing that the whole Sanhedrin, the leaders of the Jews, were simply very wrong when they took counsel against the Lord, could it really be proved that all that they had done, these leaders of the Jews, was against the Lord and against his anointed? Was Jesus really the promised Messiah? Was he really the prophet like Moses? Were there leaders in Jerusalem only fulfilling the scriptures and the purpose of God when they asked him, asked for him to be crucified from Pontius Pilate? And so even though Paul was speaking to them in the power of the Holy Spirit, nevertheless, they were not persuaded. They did not believe what Paul was telling them, some of them. And we should understand that this is always the way that it is when the gospel is preached. People are only persuaded of the truth concerning Jesus when the Lord causes them to be born again and opens their eyes to the truth and then circumcises their heart, takes away their stubbornness in not wanting to believe that they need the Lord Jesus to be their Savior as one Hymn writer puts it, All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray, and holy manna will be scattered all around. So here's Paul speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit as an apostle, as a commissioned man, one who had seen the risen Christ, and yet these men, many of them, could not be persuaded. By him. So very sad. So very sad for some of these Jews that Paul was speaking to. It was a fragrance of life unto life when they heard these things about Jesus. And for some, 
It was the fragrance of death unto death. But Paul spoke sincerely. As from God, he spoke in the sight of God and in the sight of Christ. And even so, we ought to receive this word of life and hope in Christ as life to ourselves at all times. Now, second, Paul reproved these Jews for their dullness and hardness of heart using the scriptures to do so. And I want to read from the Bible once again these verses, verses 25 to 27. It says this, So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed. After Paul had said one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so I should heal them. It says here, we find an astonishing thing here that even when Paul had spoken to them all day long concerning Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, that these Jews could not agree among themselves as to whether what he was saying was true or not. And Paul knew something then. Paul knew then that the Holy Spirit would not be striving with them any longer with those who had disbelieved. When they refused to consider what he was saying and they would not believe in Christ, he quoted to them this passage from Isaiah chapter 6. Now you remember Isaiah 6, don't you? Where the prophet Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and the angels cried, Holy! And Isaiah was commissioned as a prophet to speak to this people, Israel, but he was to speak to them until the cities were made desolate. It wasn't going to be the kind of fruitful ministry that you would have expected that a great prophet like Isaiah would receive a commission to have. Brethren, we need to understand something, that the purposes of God sometimes are very hard for us to understand why at some points people receive the truth of the word of God and are saved, maybe in great numbers. And then at other times, people that should by all rights receive the truth of the scriptures, even as Paul had spoken to these Jews who had gathered to hear him, and yet they disbelieved it. It's totally astonishing when you stop to think about it. And so that's why Paul quoted these words from Isaiah 6 to them. It's an amazing thing, but the words of this prophecy in Isaiah 6, these negative words are quoted six times in the New Testament. The first time by Jesus in Matthew 13, 14 and 15 and is explaining why he spoke to the people in parables. 
Also in Mark verse 11 and Luke 8 verse 10, when Jesus said to his disciples, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing that they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And yet again, it is mentioned in John chapter 12, verse 37, when John writes, And although Jesus had done so many miracles, so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. And then these words are quoted. And besides Paul mentioning in this passage, Isaiah 6, here in Acts 28, we find him mentioning it also in Romans chapter 11, verses 6 and 7, where the apostle says this, And if salvation is by grace, it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer Grace, otherwise work, is no longer work. What then? Israel, he's talking about the Jews, has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect, that is the elect among the Jews, have obtained it, and the rest were blinded or hardened. Now, Paul is only speaking of the Jews here in Romans 11, although the principles of grace and works apply to all men seeking salvation. But listen to verse 8 of Romans chapter 11. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. So Paul's speaking of the whole time from when Isaiah received this prophecy in his day until the present day when Paul was writing the epistle to the Romans. The eyes of Israel, that is physical, ethnic, Israel, with the exception of those whom God has reserved to himself in election, which he mentions in verse 5, have been blinded. They have been blind to the great salvation in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, that's why Paul reproves these Jews at Rome who disbelieved with these verses that I read to you. But we should understand that when he did this, he was including the whole body of the Jewish people, physical, ethnic Israel, when he says in verse 26, quoting Isaiah, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall understand, not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Because of this, because this has been the case generally 
with all the Jews through all of Paul's ministry, he said this. And brethren, it's been the case all down through church history to this present day as well. As sad as this is to say, you see a partial hardening, a judicial partial hardening of the Jews still upon them as an ethnic people and as a nation even to this very day. But this was prophesied of by our Lord Jesus Christ himself in Luke 21, verse 24. In that place, Jesus is speaking of the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And he says to his disciples, and they, that is the unbelieving Jews, will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive, led away captive to all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. As it is evident in many ways that the times of the Gentiles are not yet fulfilled in church history, and so Jerusalem the capital city of the Jewish people is still being trampled down by Gentiles and will be until the Jews come to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ in their national conversion, they will someday see Jesus as their Savior and find life. This is also mentioned in Romans chapter 11, farther on down the chapter, where it says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part or a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in that this cannot be spiritual Israel that Paul is talking about here is evident from the fact that if you read the verse that way, it makes no sense. A blindness or a partial hardening has happened to spiritual Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. That doesn't make sense. And what we need to understand is this, that the partial hardening or the blindness of the Jewish people and nation will not last forever. It will only be until a certain time. As it says in Romans eleven twenty six and 27, And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. And watch this, it's an act of God. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, which is the word picture for the, for the Jews, the unconverted Jews. For this is my covenant with them, that is the Jews, when I take away their sins. Now Paul is speaking of bringing the Jewish people into covenant with himself. 
through the new covenant in Christ. And in this case, it will be both an individual and a national covenant, and they will be grafted, as it talks about there in Romans chapter 11, into the church. And questions which you may have related to how many of them, or all of them, or the vast majority of them being saved, we can leave that until the event takes place. But my brethren, I want you to see that it was a great grief to Paul that these things were going to happen to his beloved countrymen in God's judging them for their rejection of Christ. He says so in Romans chapter 9 and verses 1 to 3 that he wished that he could be cut off and be considered accursed from Christ for the sake of his own brethren, his fellow countrymen, the Jews. And so what I'm trying to bring to your attention is this. I think that we need to learn to pity them. I'm talking about the Jews in their unconverted state and to pray for them, seeing that there are these great and magnificent promises of what God will do for them in days to come. The gospel was sent to the Jews first. Paul says so in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And you will notice then in all of his letters that the Apostle Paul does not say that he is no longer a Jew. I want you to notice this. He glories in the fact that he's a Jew. And he says in this very passage that we're reading, it wasn't though I had anything against my nation. He says quite the opposite. He considered himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews in Philippians chapter 3. But he also says in that same passage in Philippians 3 that we who worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, we place no confidence in the flesh. We are the true circumcision. So there you see he's speaking of spiritual Israel when he says that. And this is the spiritual Israel of God, which is made up of Jews and Gentiles. And so what I'm appealing to you is this. Let us learn to distinguish rightly the things that are related to one another. I mean spiritual Israel and future, the future of ethnic and national Israel. I know that not all physical Israel are spiritual Israel. That's true. But there has always been, as it says there in Romans 11, a remnant of Jews converted in every generation of church history. But physical Israel, even though presently blind and hard, will have a great future coming to them in those days when the Lord brings back their spiritual captivity. And then third, I want you to see that Paul with apostolic authority gave the Jews bad news and the Gentiles good news. Verses 28 to 31, Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. And then Paul dwelt two years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ 
with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So when Paul let these Jews know that the salvation of God had been sent to the Gentiles, it was a formal apostolic pronouncement, which he knew would be written down by Luke and included in the Holy Scriptures. I want you to see that it was a very gracious thing which the Lord did here for Paul and his being able to dwell in his own rented house for two years, to be able to preach and teach the word of God to people who came to him. And in closing this message, I think that it would be good if all of us can pray that we might be useful to God as long as the Lord will lend us life. That we wouldn't be too concerned whether our personal ministry will be to many people or to few, or whether if you are a minister, you are preaching in a large church building or a house. If the great apostle Paul finished his life in this way, then so can we. So can I. If any of these Jews who came to talk to Paul fit into this house, which I trust they did, when they listened to him and held conversation with him, then the house couldn't have been that small. Paul had Luke with him all during that time, I believe. For near the end of his life, when he wrote Second Timothy, he says, In chapter 4, verse 11, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And brethren, we should also seek to be useful to Christ while we have life and breath. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the book of Acts and for the many good things that you have taught us through it. What a glorious book it is, speaking of your great work, O Holy Spirit, and uh, your great uh, purposes, Father, and uh, the revelation of you, our Lord Jesus, in so many great ways in this book, uh, not the least of which your revelation of yourself to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus which changed his whole life and gave him this ministry that we have followed from beginning to end. We pray that we will uh, think about all the truth that we have learned concerning what our witness could be in relation to people around us and profit from the many sermons and the many passages of Scripture that uh, have been set forth. We pray that much would be accomplished through your word in this way. For we pray it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.